Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Wellness Inc. I'm Dr. Mike Moreno, taking a deep dive into all things wellness after over 25 years of practicing medicine. I'm fascinated with anything and everything that can help you feel better, live healthier, and become the best you possible. I'll be interviewing the most cutting edge experts in the field of wellness and exploring new innovative technologies to help you live your best life. At the end of each episode, I'll give you my weekly RX, my top tips for you to use right away. Remember to subscribe for free, rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Well, today we're continuing our series on biohacking, and we're going to dive into something that is near and dear to me, yet I have not um, been able to figure out how to do it yet, (laughs) which is sleep. Don't we all need more sleep, better quality sleep? And uh, we're going to talk with a rock star in the sleep industry. Our guest today is a high performance sleep coach, and his whole mission in life is to help people biohack sleep. He's a clinical psychologist. And listen to this, guys. This is very interesting. I find this incredible. One of only 168 psychologists in the world to have passed the sleep medical specialty board without going to medical school. You know, pass pass without going to med school is pretty amazing because even there was people who go to med school probably struggle with it. That blows my mind. So I cannot wait to talk to him. Let's just get to it. Welcome to the sleep doctor, Dr. Michael Bruce. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm excited to be. That's quite an introduction. I appreciate that. Thanks, bro. But uh, well, listen. I mean, this is a huge deal. I mean, I, I talk about my pillars of, of health and wellness, which are movement, hydration, management of stress, right? Respecting stress, nutrition, avoidance of smoking. And people always say to me, "Well, what about sleep?" And I always wanted to say, "Should I add another pillar?" But my answer is, uh, th- that pillar typically will come your way if you do those other things. So it's kind of like the do these five things and you get this sixth one for free sort of thing. So this is the reason why that you have not mastered sleep yet. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Believe me. I I mean, I suck at sleeping, which is a terrible thing to say, but we're going to get this all laid out to us. So I, along with my listeners, can, uh, can learn to sleep, which is seems like a very trivial thing. I always say to my patients, God, remember those days when you were like seven or eight years old and your mom tucked you in or your parent tucked you in and you laid down and you woke up nine hours later and there was no tossing and turning. I mean, I need to go back to that, Dr. Bruce. Now, one of the most fascinating things that you talk about is chronotypes. And, And I want to read something that comes directly from your website. And then what I'd like you to do is explain it because I think it's fascinating. So you say your chronotype is your unique biorhythm that allows you to discover the best time to do anything from the best time to sleep and wake up to the best time to run a mile, have sex, or even eat a cheeseburger. Knowing your chronotype will help you function better throughout the day and night. 
what are we talking about here? Yeah. So this is the this is the biohack of all biohacks when it comes to sleep. <laughs> I love it. So so here's the thing is so let me, I'm going to explain the concept to everybody of what is a chronotype. Now, many people might not have heard of the word chronotype, but you've actually heard of the concept, right? If you've ever heard of somebody being called an early bird or a night owl, right? Those right. are chronotypes. So in the 70s, a group of scientists came out with a questionnaire called the morningness, eveningness questionnaire. So we were able to be able to tell, okay, some people it seemed to prefer morning time. Some people seem to prefer nighttime. Then we move forward about 10, 15 years, and we said, wait a second, not everybody falls into these two categories. So there's got to be people in the middle. Turns out there's a ton of people in the middle. Almost 50% of the population is in the middle. Wow. So, so we start moving forward. And by the way, we called them early birds, hummingbirds are the people in the middle, night owls. Okay. That's what we, that was the vernacular that we used to use. So okay. I ended up having a patient and um, it was very interesting because I failed. Uh, tremendously. Uh, I tried every insomnia thing that I could possibly try with her, brought her back in and I, her name's Kate. Uh, and I said, Kate, let's go through this again. And we started talking, talking, talking. And she finally turned to me and she said, you know, Dr. Bruce, if, if I could just go to bed at two o'clock in the morning and I could wake up at nine and go to work at 10, 1030, right. everything would be perfect for me. And that was kind of this interesting conclusion that we came to. I said, well, why don't you do that? And she said, well, quite frankly, my husband wouldn't allow me to do that. And my boss certainly wouldn't allow me to do that. <laughs> she get arrested at the job I've got site. responsibilities <laughs> and children and all of these other things. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, if I called up your boss and asked your boss to do the experiment for a week, what do you think would happen? And she said, oh, I'm getting fired at the end of the week. I was like, what? She was like, my, I've gotten terrible performance reviews. I'm pretty sure I'm getting let go at the end of the week. I said, well, look, at least we don't have anything to lose. Right. I, right. I call up the boss and I'm like, dude, I want her to come in late. He was like, he literally told me I'm firing her at the end of the week. I was like, no problem. Let's, let's talk again on Friday. I have her change her schedule, show up on Friday. I call the guy on Friday. Here's what he says to me. First words out of his mouth. I have three more employees I want you to talk to, <laughs> right? He said her work product was tremendous that week. She wasn't falling asleep in meetings, none of those things, because we put her into what I call her chronotypical swim lane, okay? Gotcha. So, so here's how this really works. This is not a choice. This is a genetic predisposition. Okay. So we, we're, we're just born into this sort of, this sort of lane, if I may. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. So so here's the deal. I'm five foot nine. I'm never going to dunk a basketball. It's just (laughs) not in genetics. There's a couple of guys out there, but it's unusual. (laughs) Right. I I mean, I'm not Spud Webb, if you know what I mean. Right. Right. He's the guy that won the dunk contest. I think he's he's the king. Right. Right. So I'm never going to be that guy. And some people are never going to be early birds. And some people are never going to be night owls. This is a genetic situation. Now, people might ask, well, okay, Dr. Bruce, how do you know that? Well, actually, it's well recorded in the medical research. So it turns out that um, there are not just three chronotypes, but I've discovered a fourth for insomnia, which is what helped me with Kate. Turned out that she had an interesting genetic situation that turned out to be much more common than we ever thought. So if you look in a very specific place on your gene called the PER3 gene, you'll see that it gets flipped one way or flipped another way. And that's what makes you an early bird or a night owl. Now, just to be clear, there's a lot more science to it than just one particular uh, SNP on a gene, which SNP, by the way, is called the single nucleotide polymorphism. So that's where there's an aberration or something weird happened. Right. 
So there's a couple of things that have to happen, but the general science falls right around that PER3 gene. So here's what's interesting is people say to me, well, Michael, I wake up at 5 a.m. every morning and I'm part of the 5 a.m. club. And I'm like, dude, have you checked your chronotype? Because you're probably screwing yourself up completely, right? <laughs> Literally only 15% of the population is, is geared to wake up at that time. 55% of the population is in the middle. About 15%, maybe 20% are night owls. I happen to be one of those. And then about 10 to 15% are insomniacs. So what I figured out I would do is I said, well, okay, birds don't work for me. I'm a mammal. So number one, I'm going to throw in insomnia in my, in my categories, but I'm going to change the wording because I don't like birds. I mean, not that I don't like birds, just to be clear, but I'm a mammal, right? So here's the funny part. You'll get a kick out of this. We're sitting around in the marketing meeting for the book because it's all, I decided to bring this all out in my book called The Power of When, and we've, we discover something very quickly. Nobody wants to be a platypus. <laughs> Nobody wants to be a porcupine, right? So, so we had to choose animals that worked really well. I actually chose animals that hold the same circadian rhythmicity as the chronotype itself. So early birds become lions. So for gotcha. folks out there who understand anything, lions kill before dawn. They wake very early. That's kind of what their modus operandi is. To let you know what a lion is, it's not just a person that happens to wake up early, although they do that. We've actually learned quite a few personality characteristics about these people. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let me ask you a quick question, Michael. Is it possible to be, let's say, a lion and then evolve to a different phase or a different type? Or are you just stuck like that? So what you're talking about is what we call chrono longevity. So actually, everybody goes through all three of the healthy chronotypes. So when you're born as a baby, you're a lion. You go Uh, to bed early. That's what I was saying from before. Right. Right. Now, like, like you were talking about when you were, when right. You were younger, right? So when you were a young man yeah. or even a young child, a young boy, you were probably a bear. You went to bed around, you know, in the evening time, you got up in the morning time, not a whole lot of problems. Then adolescence kicks in and you, and you're a teenager, right? What happens then? Right. Well, all you want to do is stay up late and sleep late. <laughs> that's right. right? <laughs> Play video games, think about girls, you know, that's, right. what, that's what you do, right? And so then around age 18 or 20 or so, it locks and loads. And that has a tendency to be your chronotype for about 40 years. So you go until about age 55 or 60, and then a change happens again because our bodies start to lower their production of melatonin when we hit that age gotcha. range. And what ends up happening is we kind of go backwards. So as an example, if you were a night owl or what I call a wolf, you might become a, a, a hummingbird or an early bird, believe it or not, because this melatonin production goes earlier and earlier in the day. So it's kind of like you're going back to the crib, if you will. <laughs> God, <laughs> you know? I need to go back to that crib. I need it. And, and so do people, uh, you know, you hear these people and I'm going to actually say this is me because I'm one of these people. I get up early. doesn't matter what time I go to bed but I feel functional. I feel like I'm getting stuff done. I feel like I'm effective, but 
maybe I'm still screwing myself up if I'm trying to cram myself into this place. So here's the thing I think that you're, I, so there's two things that we're talking about here. So number one is we're talking about when do you sleep? What time period in a 24 hour cycle do you sleep? And we're, we're, we've identified that this is genetic. Uh, early birds, what I call lions, bears are in the middle, right? That takes for the place of the hummingbirds. A night owl becomes a wolf. That's the term that I use now for that. I love and then, that. And then Perfect. insomniacs are dolphins. Now you might wonder why did I choose dolphins? So dolphins- yeah, actually, why, where'd that come from? Yeah, they dolphins sleep unihemispherically. So only half of their brain is asleep while the other half is awake and looking for predators. And I kind of felt like that represents my insomnia patients. You know, like they're never quite asleep. Right. And so once you decide, once you take my quiz, so if you go to chronoquiz.com, you can figure this out very quickly and you can figure out what your chronotypical swim lane is. And then when you're sleeping during that period of time, that will actually teach you and help your body become more efficient in sleep. The problem I think you might be suffering from, uh, Michael, is you might be locked into this idea that you have to get a certain number of hours of sleep in order to be functional and, and survive. So let me tell you about my sleep, okay? So I go to bed at midnight and I and without an alarm, I wake up, I used to wake up around 7.30 in the morning. Okay. I decided to make my schedule incredibly consistent. So consistent that it's literally to the minute I go to bed at a very particular time. Here's what ended up happening. I stopped waking up at 7.30. After about two months, I started waking up at 7.15. Then all of a sudden it was seven. Then it was 6.45. Then it was 6.15. Again, I'm going to bed at midnight, but I'm in my chronotypical swim lane. So guess what's happening? Efficiencies of scale are happening. I'm the sleep doctor, dude, and I sleep six hours and 15 minutes every night. I don't have to drink caffeine. I have this level of energy all day long. You want to talk about a biohack? That's it. Right. So you basically found an extra hour in your day. Hour, right? hour and a It's half. like, yeah, my mom used to always say to me, Gosh, if there were only right. more hours in the day, right. remember that exactly. scene? And I'd be like, well, that's probably not going to happen. I think we're pretty much at 24 and I don't see that changing. But it, it, again, to your point, it's efficiency. It's you've taken an hour and a half away from what used to be in bed and you didn't need to do that to be where you are, to be effective, functional, feel rested. And you got an extra hour and a half. Right. Now there's a caveat too, right? So number one, you got to know what your chronotype is. Number two, you got you to really commit to sleeping in that time period. But there's a third one that's important for a lot of biohackers, which is your supplementation has to be on par. So this isn't going to work if you're deficient in magnesium. This is not going to work if you're deficient in vitamin D. This is not going to work if you're deficient in iron, okay, or melatonin. So those are the four things. So as a high-performance sleep coach, what happens? If somebody shows up on my doorstep, I run blood work on all four of those areas first, and then I actually do genetic testing because my goal is to understand genetically what's going on with them and then create the sleep program that works for them. So then I put them into their chronotypical swim lane, like we're talking about, and we do all the blood work to make sure they don't have any deficiencies. If they do, we lock them up with the deficiencies. We give them magnesium, vitamin D, things like that. And then the other big thing, you got to look at the environment, right? Ah, uh, so yes. Here's the big one for me. I'm a runner, okay? Sleep is a performance activity. All right. If you're a runner, you know, you can run a race in flip flops with cutoffs, a torn T-shirt and a boombox on your arm. But your time's not going to be too good. Right. But if I if you've got your ASICs on and your dry fit wear and some good tunes like you can pop off those miles pretty easily. The same holds true with sleep. 
if you have the right equipment, you will sleep better. So don't be an idiot, right? Don't have a bed that's 10, 12 years old and think that you're going to get rock solid sleep out of it because guess what, dude, you're not right. If you haven't changed your pillow in the last 24 months, that's a problem. Okay. People tell me all the time. They're like, oh, I finally broke my pillow in and got it exactly the way I want it. My question is always, what's going to stop it from continuing to break? Right. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Let's go back because first of all, I'm already, I feel really excited because I'm a big fan of magnesium, vitamin D and melatonin. Those are big. And those are three things that I often check on my patients, not just for sleep, but for other aspects, you know, weight management, vitamin D, one of the most underrated vitamins for weight management and weight loss. But to go back to those things, are you finding consistent deficiencies in some of these that correlate to the chronotype? Absolutely. Uh, Well, deficiencies that correlate to the chronotype, actually, yes. So my wolf chronotypes are always deficient in everything. Um, So people who are, people who are night owls, will think about it. They're night owls. They're not getting out in the sun. So we know they're going to be low in vitamin D also because they're night owls, they have a tendency to be less active. So there's more sedentary. So they're not going to be, you know, really thinking about food and those types of challenges and exercise and those types of things. So we definitely see those there. Um, I, I would say we see vitamin D deficiency, um, magnesium deficiency. I see it on literally in almost every patient I see. I yeah, it's like a big one. I see a lot of that as well. Unbelievable. You know, and people really can't appreciate magnesium aside from doing literally 300 different things in the body. I think it is, it has a profound effect on our ability to relax and fall asleep. Right. And so many people say to me, well, should I take my magnesium supplementation at night? Should I take it in the morning? I prefer people taking it in the evenings. That seems to work for people. But yesterday I had a client who came to me and was like, dude, I took it at night and I didn't sleep all night long. I took yeah, it there's those morning. people out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I tell people with a lot of medications, you know, whether it's antidepressants or whatever, I say, look, 70% of people take these in the morning, but 30% will tell you when you take them in the morning, they're tired. You simply switch it to bedtime. So uh, yeah, there's those people. You, you kind of go with the typical expectation, but then when it doesn't go, you just switch it to the opposite. So, right. Well, also I want to mention one quick thing, if I can, about both melatonin and vitamin D surrounding COVID, because, you know, we're in the middle of this whole craziness right now. Um, remember to everyone, Nine, over 90% of the fatalities in COVID had a vitamin D deficiency, over 90%. Yeah, that was a big thing. And I know they still continue to look at that vitamin. And, you know, vitamin D has been shown to be a huge factor in immunity. And we know that. I mean, for years, when I started to get a cold, when people would start to take emergency and vitamin C, I would take high dose vitamin D. That's what I would start doing when you have that sniffle, that sore throat, that whatever. And I, I'm talking 12, 15 years I've been doing this, but I think that's to your point. I think that's what we're figuring out is that, again, immune compromise and all of the different aspects, lack of hydration, lack of rest, lack of stress management, lack of physical activity is another big one. But I, I think vitamin D is critical. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know what, we've been talking about that, but I want to double tap on movement because that really is the thing that people are missing right now. People are always like, Michael, what's what's going on with sleep and COVID? Um, here's the bottom line, is people's schedules are off. They're not waking up at the same time every single day. Honestly, if people wanna do one thing to help their sleep, like you literally take one thing from this whole podcast, get up at the same time every day, including the weekends. It will change your sleep. 
within three weeks, 21 days or so, you'll reset your circadian rhythm and you'll be much happier for it. I can assure you of that. Um, melatonin is something that you mentioned that I thought I would also do a quick double tap on if that's okay. Go for it. So number one, to educate everyone, remember melatonin is a hormone, just like vitamin D is a hormone, by the way, melatonin is a hormone. You can't just go down to the local you know, health food store and buy testosterone or estrogen. And there's a reason that you shouldn't be able to. Unfortunately, melatonin is available here in the United States without a prescription. A couple of pieces of information that people might not know. Number one, at high dosages, it's actually used as a contraceptive in Europe. Yes. So okay. what are we talking high doses, like a hundred milligrams or I've seen it as low what, as I've seen it as low as 10. I've seen it at 50 and I've seen it at hundreds. Interesting. So, so that's it. That's something that almost nobody knows. That's number one. Number two, 95% of the melatonin is sold in an overdosage format. The appropriate dose based on the data out of MIT is between a third and one and a half milligrams. That's it. Most people are taking three, five, even 10 milligrams. Yeah. And so, and I, I mean, I, I'm guilty of it myself. So that you're overdosing on melatonin and you may be experiencing very vivid dreams when you take these large dosages. That is the key sign that you are overdosing on melatonin to be clear, letting people know this. By the way, melatonin is 99%, well, probably 95% synthetically produced. So you have to be careful about that. There was a study done a year and a half ago where they pulled 15 bottles, random brands off the shelf, and they tested the capsules. Not one capsule <laughs> had what they claimed on the label in it. Okay? I can see. So know the source you're getting. Your, your, that's a huge point. And I tell patients that all the time when you're getting supplements, know the quality, know the source, and know that you're getting a quality product. Yeah. And I want to give people a source of the melatonin that I personally use when I'm jet lagged, because that's when I use it. Um, it's called uh, Herbatonin, H-E-R-B-A-T-O-N-I-N. You can Google it. Um, uh, my friend James uh, created, spent the, really a lot of time and energy, but this is melatonin that's actually sourced from seagrass. So it's 100% organic. Uh, there's no synthetics. There's no chemicals. There's no nothing in it. And it's at the right dose. If you're going to take melatonin as a tablet, it takes 90 minutes for it to become effective. It's got to go all the way down, mix it up, and then come all the way back up and have an effect. So when people take melatonin, a lot of them take it right before bed and they say, oh, it didn't work for me. That's because it's not going to kick in for a good 90 minutes if it's in pill form. If you do it in a liquid or in a tincture and you have it sit under your tongue like sublingual, right. you can get it up and in, in about 20 to 30 minutes. So that's a much faster way to, to kind of get you there. Well, I think you see a lot of uh, packaging that's fast relief and extended release. So is it fair or safe to say, you know, because a lot of times what I talk to patients when they say I'm having a hard time sleeping, the first question I ask is, do you, is it a hard time going to sleep or staying asleep? Those I think are important to establish. What do I know? I'm not the sleep doctor, but the, the basic things, right? So is it fair or is it safe to say that it's maybe those those fast acting or rapid release and combination with maybe an extend release. Like, how do you do that? What walk us through the melatonin world as far as that goes? So when I think about melatonin, remember melatonin is a sleep regulator, not a sleep initiator, right? So if you're looking for an herb or a supplement that's going to make you fall asleep, you're talking about valerian. You're talking about yes. hops. You're talking about magnolia bark, jujubicide. You're not talking about melatonin. If you, if you want to take your 
body and move it into a different time zone, that's what melatonin does. Um, remember, melatonin tells your brain it's bedtime. It does not make you feel sleepy. Those are two completely separate processes. That's important to know. Yeah, great, great point. Great point. So that's one thing to know. If you're if you're having a hard time falling asleep, melatonin is probably not what I would be recommending. Um, I might look at something like a valerian or a hops. You know, full disclosure, I have my own line of sleep supplements, and I have one specific for falling asleep, and I have one specific for if you wake up in the middle of the night. And so those are different. You really wouldn't want, if you wake up in the middle of the night, the last thing you want to take is melatonin because it's going to make you feel like shit the next day. I mean, you're going to have yeah, that, well, yeah, I've I've done that before. You know, I, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I think to myself, okay, I, I have like an extra, you know, maybe say I get up around 5.30 every morning. So it may be like, say, 2.30. And I'm thinking to myself, I got three more hours and I've made the mistake of taking a rapid onset sublingual, you know, melatonin to just put me to sleep. And then I feel like crap the next day. So it's exactly what happened. Good to know. See, I'm learning here. So in the middle of the night, I'd like to give you a better strategy. Please. Okay. So number one, many men wake up in the middle of the night because of an enlarged prostate. So number one, please, 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 anybody listening, if you have multiple trips to the bathroom or you're waking up, make sure to get your prostate checked. Okay. Side sidebar. Next, we want, here's the thing I look at a lot, blood sugar. So here's what's interesting is oftentimes when somebody tells me they woke up in the middle of the night, I want to know what the timing was of their last meal. Right. Because many times it's like 630 at night they're waking up almost exclusively between two and four. Like everybody always tells me, I wake up at 2.37, Michael, you know, or some crazy number because it's very consistent. And here's what happens is because they haven't, haven't eaten since 6.30, they're out of fuel, right? Right. People don't realize that when you go to sleep, you don't put the car in park, guys. You put it into like third gear. And during REM sleep, you use just as much glucose in your brain as you do when you're awake. So- Remember, this is not like this quiescent, you know, there's a lot of, you know, uh, rejuvenation that's going on during that period of time. So we really want to be careful when we're kind of talking about sort of what's going on. So when we look at that, we see end of food, cortisol spike, go look for food, right? Well, that happens at 2.30 in the morning and then you're stuck. So this is going to sound crazy. Guava leaf tea, not guava fruit not guava juice, but guava leaf tea. There's two studies to show a cup of this before bed actually helps stabilize your blood sugar all night long. And for folks who are waking up because of wonky blood sugar, it's like a miracle. Um, it works in about 30, 35% of my cases. I've been shocked that it worked as well as it does. For some people, if you use raw honey, that's also something that can be good. It has to be raw, not pasteurized, like the kind with the honeycomb, not like the kind you squeeze out of the bear, right? Right. right. <laughs> because that's got it's it's much harder to for our bodies to process it, so it keeps our blood sugar stable all night long. Please don't use honey if you're diabetic, or and it certainly won't work if you're keto. Um, but if you aren't either one of those, you could actually get the guava leaf tea and put a little honey in it. And then you kind of got your double shot for the night and that will help keep your blood sugar stable. You know, it's interesting. So I, I, I'm Mexican. I grew up in that Hispanic population and, and what we used a lot, and I'm curious to get your take on this, similar to what, what you're talking about with this guava leaf tea is cactus and, and nopales is a very common thing in our culture. We eat that with you know, many for many things, but I'm wondering if you've seen any studies in terms of cactus because it has that glucose stabilization impact on the body. So I've never seen any studies done looking at sleep 
with that, but I have seen uh, at least one study comes to mind where there, and it wasn't, it was a particular type of cactus, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what it was. I apologize, but I have seen one study to look at uh, blood sugar stabilization. But let's say that you didn't drink the tea, right? And okay. you didn't have to pee and you wake up and it's two o'clock in the morning. Like, what am I supposed to do, Michael? So let me give you right. a strategy that works really, really well here. So first of all, I have to give you a few statistics that are important for you to understand. Not you, but our audience. <laughs> oh, no, no. But trust me, it's me. <laughs> so number one is in order to enter into a state of unconsciousness, you need a heart rate of 60 or below. Okay. That's number one. That is probably the most important statistic out of all of sleep in terms of falling asleep. Okay. That's number one. Number two, when you wake up in the middle of the night, here's what every single person does. They look at the clock. This is the worst thing you can (laughs) possibly do right? because you instantly do the mental math, right? And then you're like, oh, hey, man, I'm curious. I exactly. I'm like, sometimes it brings this joy to me when I wake up and it's one o'clock in the morning. I'm like, yes. But then I'm like, shit, now I can't go back to sleep. But I do this. So you're, you're halfway there. So here's the good news, right? Is so one of the, so first of all, I can't stop people from looking at the clock. I mean, to be clear, I've tried. It doesn't seem to happen. Um, <laughs> Behavioral change is hard, right? <laughs> it is very hard. Um, but what I have been able to have people do is flip the script, right? So most people, when they look at it, they say, oh shit, it's 3.30 in the morning. I got to get right. up at 5.30. Sleep, sleep. Right. The panic. <laughs> and you push yourself hard, like you try to sleep. Let me tell you something, Michael. Sleep is a lot like love. The less you look for it, the more it shows up, right? Uh, I love it. <laughs> right? And so in the middle of the night, here's the final statistic that's important for you to understand, everybody, is lying, relaxing while awake for one hour is worth approximately 20 minutes of rejuvenation from a sleep perspective. So even if you really? lie there, uh-huh, even if you just lie there with your eyes closed and relaxed, deep breathing, that will be rejuvenative to a certain extent worth about 20 minutes of sleep. So if you lie there for three hours and you never fall asleep, you're actually getting roughly an hour's worth of sleep. Let me explain to you why this is important. So what happens is, is once you look at the clock, instead of saying, oh crap, here's what you say. This is awesome. Right. I got three hours. That's exactly what I do. Right. And that's why I love it. This is awesome. I I heard from Dr. Bruce, if I chill here, it's still going to be rejuvenative. I'm just going to relax. And then when they relax, the natural sleep process takes over. And And the heart rate goes down, right? It's that that whole discussion of heart rate variability and resting heart rate is critical. And I think that's probably, I don't know, again, who am I? What do I know? But that's probably, in my opinion, why cardiovascular activity and exercise is so important because it really has an impact in creating a lower resting heart rate. Exactly. And and that's what we need to get into sleep. Part of the reason that people with sleep apnea cannot go to sleep a lot of times is because they're having apneic events and their heart rate is so freaking high because their brain is like, where is the oxygen? Where is the oxygen? So we see this happening in all sorts of disorders. I mean, a lot of the biohackers are not going to have sleep apnea because most of them are a little bit on the leaner side or they've gone through a weight loss program or something like that. Apnea, while it doesn't only happen in big people, it has a tendency to happen more in big people. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I tell people that all the time because typically you can tie obesity to apnea 
but there are these skinny guys. Like I'm a skinny little guy there. And I see these guys come into my office, or not just guys, but men and women come into my office and you, they're skinny. And yet you put them through an apnea test, these overnight monitors and lo and behold, they they have apnea. So there are those kind of atypical body yeah. habit as people. Actually, I want to give you one quick hack on that one because we know we're doing biohacks. So one thing I want to tell you about apnea, there's a new device that literally was cleared by the FDA like five weeks ago, and it's called Excite OSA. This thing is fascinating. It's a tongue stimulator. You wear it during the day for 20 minutes and it replaces CPAP at night completely. Interesting. It must just change that that musculature of the soft palate and prevent that dry, I'm guessing. Exactly. So what happens is as your tongue gets older, it gets fatter, right? Because it's full right. of all kinds of old gunk and stuff that hasn't really had a, a, type, a time for autophagy to like pull it all out. And so this mild electrical stimulation doesn't hurt or anything like that. Running across the tongue actually forces the cells to turn over and repopulate and your tongue shrinks. Doesn't affect your voice actually helps people with lisps, believe it or not. Um, it's really interesting and it re completely replaces CPAP. So for somebody who's like you, a skinny dude, it could be anatomical, right? That's right. the point I'm Correct. making. It's not that you're heavy. It's that you got big tonsils or you got a fat tongue or you got, you know, adenoids, those kind of things. And a lot of times we have, we have to yank those out, but with this new treatment, we don't have to, which is kind of nice. It, you know, it makes perfect sense now that I think about it, because you're talking about the tongue that falls back, blocks the airway. So I, I guess the tongue is a muscle. So if the muscle becomes flaccid with age it, to increase tonicity or tone of the muscle it makes sense, it would probably cause it to thrust forward and create a bigger, more patent airway. Makes it, it, that's awesome. I got to check that thing out. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. All right, let me ask you a question. I mean, I could talk to you for hours on this. Let's just say, I, I discover this 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 bottle and I rub and the and the sleep genie comes out of this bottle. Yep. And I say to the sleep genie, sleep genie, give me one. So you're the sleep genie. Mm -hmm. Give me the best tip that you can think will change my sleep tonight. So generally speaking, genies give three wishes, not one wish. Right. That's why. So, <laughs> so I'm going to give you three things to do, not one thing. I'm going to take a little liberty here. So like I said before, step number one is to have one wake-up time. Do not change your wake-up time. Weekday, weekend, same as, same as always. Step number two is to stop caffeine by 2 p.m. Now, you'll notice I didn't say stop caffeine Love it. altogether, right? It's very rare that you're going to be able to find anybody who is a regular caffeine drinker to just quit like that. Number one, number one and number two, I, don't, I wouldn't recommend it. Um, especially if you're a large caffeine drinker, I've had two patients end up in the ER when they went cold Turkey off of drinking. Yeah. That's a tremendous withdrawal. Absolutely. So please be careful. But if you stop caffeine by 2 PM, most people don't know it, but caffeine has a half-life of six to eight hours, depending on how fast of a metabolizer you are. So if you stop at two by 10, at least half of it is out of your system. Gotcha. So that's a great place to start. Here's a little known fact that most people don't know, but the quarter life of caffeine is 12 hours. So a quarter of the amount that you have drunk during the day is still in your system 12 hours later. Wow. For you, those of you guys, when we talk about half lives and quarter lives out there, the listeners, it's the amount of time it takes for that amount of substance to be released from the body. So what he's saying is basically, if you take, let's just say for numbers 
simplicity, 100 milligrams at noon, a quarter life means that at midnight, you're still going to have 25 milligrams floating around. Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. See, I can do my math too. I, it's incredible. So many people out there are going to say, that's BS. I can, I can drink coffee and I can fall asleep immediately. And many people can. Okay. Number one, people have different caffeine sensitivities. So there's a little bit of a difference there. But let me be clear. Caffeine is a stimulant. Okay. <laughs> I don't care if you can fall asleep. If I measure your EEG, it's way out of whack. If you're trying to sleep with caffeine on board, I don't care what you say. I can tell you that the quality of the sleep that you're getting is really right. no, no bueno, as I like to say. Step number three has to do with alcohol. There's a really big difference between going to sleep and passing out. Okay. So <laughs> we would remember. You hear that, everyone? <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, guys. People don't think about it like this, but I, I wish that they would. Alcohol is an anesthetic. Okay. So think about it like that. When you anesthetize your brain by drinking too much close to bedtime, here's what happens is your brain thinks it's the time that you started drinking. You then pass out when you wake up, your circadian rhythm has not changed. Your brain still thinks it's back to where it was. This is one of the reasons why when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning to pee, you can't fall back asleep after you've had a bender type of a you know scenario. Also, you burn through gotcha. all of the sugar from the alcohol and you wake up immediately. So there's a lot of issues when you talk about alcohol and and uh, and sleep. But I want to be clear about something. I like scotch. Okay, I like beer and I like wine. So Michael, right. how do we how do we? Do I like you. This, right? <laughs> I like you, sleep genie, because I like all those things. <laughs> right. So so how do we do this? So remember, it takes the average human approximately one hour to digest one alcoholic beverage. So here's okay. what I tell people. Rule number three generally is stop drinking three hours before bed if you've had two gotcha. drinks. So here's how it works. If you have one drink, have one glass of water, wait one hour. If you have two drinks, have two glasses of water and wait two hours. The problem comes when you hit the third drink. When you hit the third drink, you've got enough alcohol in your system where you're starting to get a pretty good buzz going and your brain is wondering what that buzz thing is, is going on. And so it spikes it. cortisol because you're becoming a little bit off and it doesn't understand why. Now you're a energized drunk. Right. That is and, not going to work for bed. <laughs> and hydrated. So if you're a guy, you're peeing even more, which is a lot. You know, that's the thing I tell people with prostate, this guys, you know, listen, we have it way easier than women, let me tell you. But the prostate is a pain in the butt. But I tell, you know, guys who struggle with that prostate, listen, pee before you go to bed, limit your intake of fluids, stay hydrated early, get on it early, right when you wake up. But don't be drinking a ton of water at like midnight, you know. So, I mean, it all makes sense. Yeah. And one thing I tell people is if you do find yourself drinking a lot of water, um, you may want to get checked for diabetes. That is an early sign, sure. right? Of diabetes. Remember, diabetes has a dramatic effect on sleep. We know a lot of people with diabetes also have sleep apnea. And so there's a whole correlation of that goes on in there. So if you do find yourself hydrating, hydrating, hydrating um, for what you think is no apparent reason, you may want to get your sugar checked. Listen, this is like awesome. And I think people underestimate the power of a good night's sleep. And, and I want the listeners to think about those times when you were like six, seven, eight years old and, you know, you were a champion sleeper, right? As they say, you just hit that pillow and you're like, good night. And then you woke up nine hours later. And let me tell you, damn it. I felt good. I felt great. I want to go back to that. We all want to go back to that. First of all, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us. 
Where do we find you? How can people take your chrono quiz? Let us know where I can point my listeners because we all can benefit from your expertise. Well, thank you for doing that. So number one, I'm super easy to find on the internet. It's the sleep doctor. Doctor is all spelled out.com. So you can't forget that one. Um, also, if you want to take my quiz, it's at chronoquiz.com. It takes about two minutes and I will teach you the perfect time of day to go to bed, wake up, have caffeine, have alcohol, because that varies based on your chronotype, by the way. I can show people how they can actually drink a little bit more if they know what their chronotype is. Maybe a good idea, may not be a good idea. <laughs> hey, I love it. Listen, I can't thank you enough. This is critical stuff. You know, one of the most important things of being not just physically healthy, but mentally healthy and efficient and effective in, in life, right? Whether it's in your job or as a parent, as a loved one, Whatever it is, our, our responsibilities and things we need to do as an individual is dependent on sleep. And let me tell you, uh, Dr. Bruce, you're doing amazing stuff and I can't thank you enough. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You got to start calling me Michael, number one, because we're both colleagues. And, um, I've, I, got lots, I got lots of hacks out there for sleep, definitely. So people check out the website and uh, I'd love to come back sometime and talk more. Oh, we'll do it. We'll do it. I'm going to put some of these things to the test and, and we will do it. Perfect. Thanks again. Sweet dreams. Weekly RX. Listen, tons of great information today. There are so many things I can I can bring up from today, just some take-home points. But let's just take home some nuggets for us to start sleeping better. Number one, wake up at the same time every day. I, I think the good sleep doctor made that very clear. Pick up, make sure you're waking up at the same time, weekends, during the week, whatever, wake up at the same time every day. The second one, and I think a lot of us have heard this, is trying to avoid, minimize, or stop caffeine by 2 p.m. We all know for the most part that it has a big impact on our sleep. So make sure you're cutting it off at about 2 p.m. Supplement awareness is important. Talk to your doctor about checking your iron, your magnesium, your vitamin D levels. And do your research on melatonin. You don't want to be overdoing the melatonin and making sure you're getting a quality product. And lastly, try to avoid alcohol in general three hours before bed. That's it for today. Don't forget to subscribe for free download and listen to Wellness Inc. with me, Dr. Mike Moreno on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Follow me on social at The 17 Day Diet. Take care. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Kelts is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horinigay, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. The Wellness Inc. with Dr. Mike Moreno podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional. Thank you.